all that surrounds you is for your utmost benefit. Your ears, your heart and the light within you are now tuned to lasers in the jungle. It is here that you will be encouraged to contemplate the magic of the music that you love. Has some of the music been transferring esoteric wisdom to within our consciousness? Why and how does it nourish and comfort us? Is it because it was made in love and is love? How come some sounds and songs make your body shiver or tingle? Are some of your favorite musicians part of an ancient divine order, a mystery school, or a benevolent bloodline? The choice to know is yours. Down the rabbit hole we go. Thank you for listening to Lasers in the Jungle. And now, your host, John Wills. Well, that was a fantastic introduction. My name is John Wills, as everybody's just heard. Friends call me J-Dub. And this is Lasers in the Jungle. This is our pilot episode. Lasers in the Jungle is a podcast about music philosophy, primarily esoteric philosophy. Music is obviously very magical and powerful, and there's things that have gone on with music my whole life, and they're still going on today that are impacting us in tremendous ways. I had a friend ask me kind of why I don't understand why you're doing this. And because this is a pilot episode, I am going to be a little bit more personal than I would normally because part of the goal I have with this episode is sharing it with other uh, truth seekers or thought makers that might want to collaborate or contribute or uh, maybe come on an episode. So esoteric philosophy is something related to hidden knowledge or hidden wisdom. And the whole premise of this podcast is to kind of unpack all of these principles and precepts that a lot of musicians have been communicating to us through their art forever. Webster's calls it the power of apparently influencing the course of events by using mysterious or supernatural forces. Carl Jung, he says, magic consists in making what is not understood understandable in an incomprehensible manner. So as we go through our conversation this evening, I'm going to demonstrate that music is magical, and there's ways that magic is performed, and it's done over and over and over again through not just music, but all types of forms, art forms, forms of the right hemisphere of the brain. So there's things that are possible with music that everybody knows. Everybody knows they felt it. They've been comforted by it. They've just been moved by ma- music in magical ways. Part of the podcast is just showing people how that works or revealing some of these ways in symbolism so that we can um, just appreciate it more and, and soak it in even more. Justin Carpenter has joined us, and Justin's a friend of mine. I've gotten to know Justin over the last few months, and Justin, I'm glad you're here. I want to let you know that this is a real treat for me because my whole life I have thought about music and the lyrics of music and what it means. And and when I try to talk to people about it, a lot of people listen, but it, it really means a lot to me to actually sit down in a formal setting on a podcast with a friend like you and kind of talk about lyrics and music. So thanks for being here. 
Yeah, I appreciate you for having me here. It's it's a joy to get into a subject like this because, I mean, how better could you take this vibratory frequency-based experience that we're living in right now and then have the music be that perfect representation of it to imbue both the words, the lyrics with the sounds and the notes to create this beautiful composition that touches our very soul. And like you said, everyone knows that moment or those moments where music has reached them in some way or another, whether you're just bobbing your head or whether you're just, you're feeling it. So I love getting into these kind of topics because we start to uncover just the depth of what these artists were trying to convey with each of these songs. And sometimes maybe inadvertently, but it doesn't matter. It's that divinity that's flowing through and we get to just be the gracious receptors of this magic. So excited to be here. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Well, tell me, before we get going, I want you to have the opportunity or I want you to take the opportunity to plug, where can people learn more about you or what you're involved with? I'm real familiar with you on Telegram, but is that the best way to kind of peer into Justin's world? Well, I'd say that's probably where I'm most active currently, but you can always find, I catalog all of my work on my website, justincarpenter.org. And that's an easy space to kind of find the depth of my work and what I've done. So I'm a truth seeker and, and I love to share what I've learned. And just in that in and of itself seems to attract others who also like doing that same sort of stuff. So it just creates this continual conversation where we're just uncovering more aspects of this truth. And then the truth is always leading us to better ourselves. So that's the power of, uh, of truth is the betterment of self. So I'm in that pursuit each and every day. And I love sharing that along the way. So, so yeah, Telegram, my channel is Justin Carpenter, my name, but the tag is at Justin Carpenter 33. And then you can find my website, justincarpenter.org. Those are probably the two best places to find me. Well, I think there's a scripture in Thessalonians. I don't have it memorized, but it's it says something about test everything and hold on, hold fast to what is good and then what's evil or bad, get away from it. And and you live that. You test things. And, and I'm grateful because you impart your uh, learning or the lessons that you learn through exploring things with others. And it's a real treat. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, you know, when we surrender to what is and recognize that God is good and we are cut from that cloth, we are children of God. So therefore we are inherently good. We got a little distracted. We get a little distracted along the way. But like you said so beautifully from Thessalonians, it it is all about just letting go of anything that doesn't serve us in that highest good. And that's surrendering to that pursuit of truth. And as long as we stay on that straight and narrow path and stay true, then we can do no wrong because God will always lead us to that highest goodness, our highest goodness. So it's amazing to be a part of that. Since we're on a music podcast do you have a relationship with music other than being a, a listener do you play or do you sing or do you have any uh, background in music well i'd say my only sort of musical experience i, I sing choir in high school you know I, I like to sing it's not something i've ever done on stage or on a bigger capacity but it's an enjoyable part of it i'm a huge appreciator of music i've always had friends who are musicians I've been to lots of concerts in my life. You know, that's, that's always been something. If I was going to spend my time going somewhere, doing something, it was going to be going to see some festival, go to some concert somewhere, some way, because 
you really do. It, it's like that next level connection of connecting with these artists who are pouring their heart and soul out into this in this magical kind of way. So I've always been a big, big appreciator of music and I love diving into it. So yeah, that's kind of my experience with it. Just just a longtime lover of music. That's about like me. I can't, I mean, I've tried to learn a few chords and I, I definitely can't hold a tune or dance, but I can strum a few chords on the guitar, but I really listen to music more than uh, do anything else with it. What about esoteric kind of stuff? Have you, so for me, I, I didn't even start thinking about kind of reading these parables and looking for symbols until right, maybe three years ago. And my whole life I've been reading the Bible, but it wasn't until three years ago that I began to look at it with new eyes and tried to figure out these allegories in, in ways that I just, no one ever taught me. No one ever taught me about allegory and symbolism. Yeah. I mean, it, I've always been drawn to that which is hidden, the occult and the sort of what's not understood, what the mystery, the mystery has always been intriguing to me. But translating that into common works like the Bible, you know, something that I was familiar with, that would be about the same timeline of really finding these higher meanings behind these words that were written there. You know, I, I, I kind of shrugged them off as like a book that tells us how to be good people, but there's a lot of weird stuff in it as well. And that's just kind of how it is. But now coming to find out that there's so much more depth to it, <laughs> it is something to see because there's these layers that we can uncover. And it's like this incredible puzzle <laughs> that makes, and it makes everything so much more exciting when you start to see this cipher and, and the ways that things have been encoded in, in that kind of way with this esoteric wisdom, you know, that's always available to us. Um, so yeah, about the same timeline. Well, since you brought up the word occult, and I think I brought up esoteric, I'd like to review those words. Those are hot words in Christian circles because they're considered blasphemous or heretical by most Christians. Occult means spiritual truths of God, which are hidden by words, parables, allegory, symbolism. If you read Psalm 78, verse 2, I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. That dark sayings is also in Proverbs 1, verse 6. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the word of the wise, and their dark sayings, so the occult is just hidden. Words, parables, allegory, symbolism. It doesn't mean something scary or mean or dangerous, does it, Justin? Not at all. I mean, it comes from the Latin word occultare, which means to hide. And that's all it is. It's that which is hidden. So this that's all the occult is, is that which is hidden from us and you know, the hiding aspect is not necessarily bad either. These are things that are there for us to discover when we're ready. They're there for us to really find when we start to hop, get on this path, which is to discover who we truly are. And that's all this is. And that, you know, that's why the church is, is not a fan of, of words like that, because they're a part of those who, who seek to hide this kind of stuff, you know, those who seek to, to push it away. And so they make words like occult and esoteric and things like that very triggering because 
all of a sudden that gets you to stop looking into this. And when we don't look into these things, that's when we keep ourselves in a very limited state. Yeah. Well, let me also read a definition for the word esoteric. And maybe I'll read exo in esso. Exoteric implies a form of knowledge that is learned and gathered from one's sensory engagements with the outer world. Esoteric is inner, implies a form of knowledge that is revealed from within. So any knowledge that we get from the corporeal, the outside, the material world, would be considered exoteric. Anything that comes from the metaphysical or the inside from within would be esoteric. And a lot of these occult dark sayings, or not all, a lot of them, they're all esoteric. That's the nature of esoteric or esotericism. And this is probably a good time to get into myth. You have any more comments on esotericism, Justin? No, no, you said it quite well. I mean, it is the, just the, the study of, of us, you know, what that which is within. And that's where truth really resides. And that's where, you know, true connection with divinity, with God happens. And so esoteric wisdom is just the depth of knowing how to connect with the self and connect ultimately with God and our divinity. So it's all based in that sort of aspect. It's really amazing how powerful myth is. When we get down to like trying to figure out, what is going on with this song? We're trying to get to the truth of something. And what that means is we're seeking knowledge. And knowledge of knowledge comes from someplace, that the ultimate truth of something starts somewhere. And the origins of these things begin with really language, our our first, how we started communicating and sharing and living. But it also starts with myth. That's where we begin to find knowledge of knowledge, truth. Edith Hamilton, she is a mythologist, and she wrote a book called Mythology, Timeless Tales of Gods and Heroes. She says, it may seem odd to say that the men who made the myths disliked the irrational and had a love for facts. But it is true, no matter how wildly fantastic some of the stories are, according to most of the modern idea, a real myth has nothing to do with religion. It is an explanation of something in nature. How, for instance, any and everything in the universe came into existence. Men, animals, this or that tree or flower, the sun, the moon, the stars, storms, eruptions, earthquakes, all that is and all that happens. She continues with an example of how myths understand the natural world. She concludes by stating, myths are early science, the result of men's first trying to explain what they saw around them. But there are so-called myths which explain nothing at all. These tales are pure entertainment. The sort of thing would people would tell each other on a long winter's evening. Uh, So in conclusion, the stories are early literature as well as science, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've got to explain something, but the only way I can explain this amazing thing is by telling some wild story. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't explain this, but it's really not that, it's something rational. It's science. It's something very important. It's wise facts of life. Yeah, and that's how we remember it, too, is when it's imbued within a story, then we don't forget. You know, it it gets passed down. It's fun to tell. It's fun to act out. It's fun to represent. And so we keep reiterating the story. So it becomes this layer of consciousness, which is this forever expansive experience that we're all participating in. 
and these stories add to these layers. The myth adds to these layers of our awareness. That's ultimately all this expansive learning is about. It's just paying attention to what's around, observing nature for what is. And what better way to observe than to tell the story of how, how it is. A wisdom that's available through myth and through art that is divine. And it's something that if you're interested, it's right in front of you. It is right in front of you. People like Carl Jung talked about it. This is not quack stuff. This is very much real and very much important. And it's a little frustrating that, I don't know, I'll, I'll, again, I, one of my friends I mentioned at the beginning, he's like, are you sure you're not reading too much into some of this music? It's like, no, I'm not. It's right in front of you. You, you just need to learn the symbols, I guess. Yeah, one, and that's the that's the funny thing about it is even if we don't have knowledge of it, we're still drawn to it, you know. And that's the only thing that we actually want to hear are the things that ring true, that have these sort of higher meanings, this magic imbued into it. So even if we don't understand what what's being said or how it's being shown or the details behind it, something within us, our soul's essence, is still drawn to it. Like a like a fly to a light, you know, it, it it's drawn to this truth every step of the way. So the only stories that we ever want to hear, the only music that we ever want to hear, the only ways that these this this myth is carried along are the ones that ring true, because this is this is part of this larger connection that we're all a part of. And while we may forget, and we play this way that we've forgotten quite a lot. We're just remembering once again. So it's not that we don't know all of this. It's just that we forgot. And so that's why we're so drawn to it, even if we don't understand the reasons why. So it always comes back and finds us again. And that's the beauty of God and God's creation is is he's always reaching out with the truth. And we're always drawn to it. You know, so we always find it at some points or another. We, we, we have that connection point. But the, the sort of uh, perpetual game of, scavenger hunt that we're playing with ourselves you know that's that's the fun part about it and that's why the myth is such a powerful modality to create these clues to bring us back to that realization once again and then it's like oh i remember now i remember this makes total sense and it's not it's not foreign it's never foreign it's very familiar it's it's very very um we're yeah like i said we're drawn to it it's 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 a part of us do you think the mythos is a form of the um collective unconscious yeah, I mean it, it's it's the. I mean, are they one and the same. I mean, I guess it's kind of one and the same. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's it's the layer of consciousness that is currently unconscious because we're not tapping into it consciously, but we can't ever disconnect from it. So it's there as part of this web that ties us all together. This connection point that that brings us all all into that singular coming from that singular source. It's the the route back to that singular source. I just think so a lot of the times we, when we think about the knowledge of knowledge, the first thing that I would go to is in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God, this idea of logos. And we'll talk a lot more about logos in maybe the first episode or two. But it's really the mythos, maybe, maybe before the logos. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say it would be because the mythos is what, what transcends the, the spoken word, you know, even before we were speaking, uh, before before God 
spoke. And, and I would say that, that in that moment, that's likely a, a sort of a little bit mistranslated and implying that it had to be a spoken word. This is more the utterance of the frequency, that sound, and that vibratory way that creation is all based off of. And that's, that's the word that's in the beginning, but it's not necessarily logos or logical. This, this would then first translate into the mythos because once creation is established from this frequency and vibration that creates all things and perception of all things, then the mythos would follow as the observation of that creation. And then the stories would be created based on the observations of that. And that would translate into the, the logos eventually in order to make it applicable in the day-to-day life. But as far as the transcendence and the observation of the totality, mythos would most certainly come first. Well, let me um, kind of switch gears. We can start getting into the music if you want. Justin? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's jump into the magic. Yeah. Hey, so before we talk about the music, I'm, I, I do want to point out that I'm interested in the music, the songs, the musicians, I just want to be respectful. These people are amazing people, and they really don't want any attention. I, if you'll notice, all these musicians, I shouldn't say all, nearly most of them, they just want to be in the shadows. They're not looking to be on the front page of the magazine. So there's a lot of people that they fall in love with the music, and then they start really worshiping these celebrities, and we're not going to do that. We're going to focus on the music. We'll talk about the artist a little bit. But for the most part, the artists, uh, they're people of mystery. And I like it that way. If you want to kind of go down the rabbit hole and learn more about these artists, do that. But you, you don't know them. I've learned, for me, that just because something makes my heart feel a certain way doesn't make me th- know something about someone else. It just means that my heart's been moved. <laughs> You know, so just because somebody writes some music that really moves you doesn't mean you understand that artist or that or you know that artist, but you do have a connection with that music. Um, and Justin, I also want to point out that what these artists are doing is dangerous work. You know, there's a reason why they hide these truths, because if they did it in plain sight, they probably wouldn't have much of a career, would they? No, I mean, you've got a whole industry that's designed to snuff out any semblance of truth and strictly just put it out there for marketing. So the industries are, are from their perspective, they don't want any any of this esoteric wisdom to be on display because it starts to cause the whole system to, to falter whenever people start to gain understanding of that. But they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because they need to get something that sells. And the only thing that we want to buy are the ones that, that, that we want to hear, which is what's imbued with the mythos and the magic. So they're constantly trying to find ways to stifle this message while anyone who is creative and in their right brain is trying to get this message out there. And I love how you said that about the not, not worshiping or idolizing and any good creator is going to say that same thing. You know, this, it's not me. It's not me. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. You know, I'm just the one bringing this message in, which is the truth of all truths. You know, it's just bringing in 
that innate knowing that we all have access to. So nobody can claim ownership of it or have a pedestal to stand on because of it. So that's a true sign of a true creator is is that humility. So absolutely, we shall honor that in that space and recognize that it's just displaying this truth that we all know and just finding creative ways to put it out there. So what we are hoping to do is listen to two songs tonight. One is uh, by Joe Walsh. The other one's by The Monkees. And we're going to listen to the song, then we're going to talk about the song and kind of talk about the different things that we uh, see or pick up in in the music. And maybe the big takeaways from each song. I want to encourage everybody again that that quote from um, the mythologist, she said that some of these myths are just good stories. Well, that's right. There's a lot of good songs out there that are great songs. They're songs about heartbreak or they're, they're realism. They're, they're just, and they're fantastic songs. They're, it's good music. The songs that we're going to be talking about are, are not like those. These songs have, they're rich in meaning and they're real important. And they're, they're sometimes they're not songs that you've ever even heard of, uh, but they're usually from artists that you've heard of. So our first artist tonight is Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, everybody's familiar with, played with the Eagles for a long time. That's probably where most people know his music. But he also had a big solo career, a real big solo career, actually. And this particular song, I I mean, I listened, Justin, did you grow up listening to classic rock? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what came on the radio, for sure, on the classic rock stations. And, and, uh, and you know, I, I dove into some some other things as well. Joe Walsh was not one that I, I dove into too deeply other than uh, I, I, I'd never heard this song until until you introduced it to me, but it's a great one. I never heard it until probably, I don't know, during COVID. And I heard it during COVID. And anyway, a lot of songs jumped off the page during that time, especially from the Eagles. And to hear this song, I thought, wow, I cannot believe I've never heard that song. It was written in the early 70s, but it didn't get published until like 1980. But anyhow, he uh, came from an album, There Goes the Neighborhood. Front of that album's a cool album. We're going to be talking about the album artwork when it makes sense. This one, I mean, I guess there's not too much other than he's he's in this tank and he's basically, it looks like he's taking on the city. And it makes sense because he later on wrote that song in the city and um, it just looks like urban warfare. But it's a it's a cool song. The other guy that's credited with uh, writing it with him was his bassist, Ken Passarelli. One of the things that's pretty cool is when you look up these musicians and you look who they played with and then you look who they played with, you can see there's a brotherhood of these guys. They, they run in small circles, and it's neat when you start connecting these little dots. Joe Walsh is a fine man with some great music and... Why don't we just go ahead and listen to that song? Uh, It's A Life of Illusion by Joe Walsh. Hello. Lasers in the Jungle requires your participation. If you are driving or busy with another task as you hear my voice, it is very important that you press pause. When you hear the sound of the golden harp, That is your cue to prepare your mind for a listening experience. Consider the garden of your mind. Is the soil hard and impervious, or is it rocky, busy and burdened? When the soil in the garden of your mind is well prepared 
rested and still, then and only then should you listen to the music. The music should be played at maximum volume and accompanied with adequate review and study of the lyrics. Once you have received and listened to the music, come back and join this episode. Thank you. Well, there we go. There's Joe Walsh is a life of illusion. Just what do you think this illusion is he's talking about? Yeah, this, this illusion is, is the world. You know, this is, this is the, the, the Babylonian creation that we live in, which uh, has been constructed as an illusion. And it's also our, our left brain created illusion that keeps us in this sort of wheel, you know, this sort of round and around experience where, we never seem to get ahead or we never seem to be able to do anything right and everything's out against us. Everything's creating this confusion. So that's the illusion. You know, it's just very, very plainly written in that kind of way. Yeah, it's ama- it's it's like the time that he described back then, it's no different at all than, I mean, like nothing new under the sun, is it? No. He talks about this wall he describes it as a wall of confusion and it seems like we're like i described the time that we're living in right now there's a lot of confusion right now so many people that i know are we're all there's a lot of confused people yeah and you could argue that we've always been confused to some degree at least everyone alive today because we've been living this this sort of false reality where you think that Life is all about just getting a job and saving up for retirement and then you die. You know, like that's like this, <laughs> this, this cyclical pattern that it's like, what, where, where did we go wrong to think that that's what all life was about? That I was just supposed to work every day of my life, you know, go to school, have all that shoved into, into me and then get out of that and immediately go into this this workforce where I, I can only just barely make enough to get by, but not enough to really live, you know, not enough to really have free time, you know, <laughs> and then we just get old and we die. So it's just been this continual illusion of living in this insanity. And, uh, and so people like Joe Walsh are desperately shouting it, saying, hey, <laughs> This is an illusion. Like, wake up. Like, pay attention to what's happening. It doesn't have to be this way. But in order to get out of it, we have to acknowledge it. And people just will write it off. It's like, ah, well, that's just the way it's always been. You know, that's just how everybody else does it. So I might as well just keep plugging away at this and might get that promotion. You know, it's just like it never ends. And generations come and go and it's still the same. You know, but it has progressively gotten worse and it has gotten to this point now where we're starting to have more people get so fed up with it 
that they are disconnecting from it and they're starting to hear words like this and it's starting to ring very true to them and they're saying like, oh man, where did we go so wrong? How did we get so far into this? Yeah, I looked up illusion. The etymology, it it makes sense. It it talks about how it's rooted in this idea of mocking, almost like playing with you, like this illusion. There's so many things that we create ourselves. We kind of create these own traps for ourselves. We think, oh, well, this is the solution. This is what's going to make this better or happy. And it's always an illusion, it feels like. It, it never satisfies. or it, it, It's what he talks about, these endless solutions. We just, all right, well, let's try this now. And the government's the worst at it, but but every we all stink at it. Yeah, because it's it's just our left brain, you know. When we when we're caught up in endless solutions, that's the left brain, which is the facts, figures, and logic, which is always trying to rationalize and sort of logically, but it's illogically. It makes no sense because the foundation of there is no common sense. We we've lost that, so the common sense is taken out from us because we live in a world of lies. And so trying to make heads or tails of it and make sense of it and justify it, find solutions within it is madness. But that's like the only hope that some people think that they can do is just to say, well, you know, it doesn't really make sense to me, but it starts to make my head hurt if I question it too much. And if I question it too much, I have to think, oh man, everything's a lie. So I better just shove those thoughts back in and I better come up with some easy solution that, that makes it all go away. And that's the cognitive dissonance that we get stuck in, which has us go in this repetitive, this wall of confusion that we just can't escape. You know, it, it is, it, it's incredible. It really is incredible. But that's where we get us get ourselves stuck is trying to perceive it from a left brain perspective, which there's no God, there's no magical essence within that. God is in the right brain. God is in this creativity and recognizing that the larger than life aspects more than what we're being told. And then you can transcend just these little lies that we have been told. Then you start to see the myth that pervades all of that and you can escape it, but you can't until you start to do that. Yeah. It's like these wall, the wall, Michael Stipe in that uh, world leader pretend song, he talks about knocking. I will knock down these walls that I've, Built, basically. I will be the ones to knock it down, he says. So these walls are our own doing, basically. Like That's one thing I've learned from you is a lot of these illusions or these tricks are just that. They're not, you don't have to play this game. You can knock down the wall. That's why he says there's a hole in it. There's a hole in that wall. There's a hole in the wall. It's not, you can knock it down. It doesn't have to be there. It's all yeah, just trick. It's hole. all trickery. And that hole in the wall is very straight and it's very narrow. You know, that's the way out of it is is following that straight and narrow path, aligning with truth. And that's the hole in the wall of confusion. Because everywhere else you look, you know, it's always trying to pull you into some other tantalizing aspect and keep you in that, that wall of confusion. But if you stay straight and you see that hole and you focus on that light that's piercing through, and that's the straight and narrow path and the way out. Imagine, I want to, and then I'm going to talk about the middle part. So the, the first part of the song, the bottom half of the song, 
have the same otherwise theme. And this confusion, that this wall of confusion, the entire world over a very short period of time has every reason to question their medical care, their voting system, just their overall wellness and nutrition, the food we eat. There's all of these things that man is very confused about. And it's not just here in Georgia where I live. It's all over the world. I mean, these are one of the things I that I want to talk more about in future episodes is these mystery schools and these wise wizards of music, they also have an understanding of cycles of time. And they knew, or at least appear to have known, that we were going into a very, very difficult time globally, or excuse me, on the planet. And it's a little amazing. I mean, it's just, it blows my mind that these songs have been prepared for us. They, It's almost as if they understood the work that was going to be kind of thrust upon us in this change, this transition humanity's in. Yeah. I mean, there's always been two sides to this. There have been those who want to control, dominate, subjugate, put us into hierarchy and create systems of, of all of that. They're creating this life of illusion. They're the ones who, who construct it and make it so difficult to escape with all the lies. And that group, they are always in direct opposition of those who are always trying to bring us the truth and always bring us back out of it because the truth is the solution. The truth is the way out. You know, the truth is is that hole in the wall of, of confusion. It, it's what breaks the whole system. And so that, that group has always been trying to imbue every work that they've ever done with these little nuggets to give us this opportunity to break out of it. And then we're the ones, you know, every, everyone who's unaware is somewhere stuck in between those two opposing groups. And, you know, we're all, we're all good at, at heart. We're all part of this, this righteous side, but we've just forgotten and in order to remember, we have to we have to step out of the illusion. But you've got these sort of dark ones who are constantly creating this, these illusions and tempting us to fall further into it with their tricks. So the choice is ours. So it's certainly not any coincidence that in the very middle or the center of this song, he talks about a different way. He says, pow, right between the eyes. Oh, how nature loves her little surprises. Wow, it all seems so logical now. It's just one of her better disguises. And it comes with no warning. Nature loves her little surprises. Continual crisis. Let's start with that, Justin. Is that, Yeah. that's this hermetic principle or this idea of, uh, the Ouroboros, like you, it's continual. This crisis is not a bad word in our esotericism, is it? No, no, it's not. I mean, it's the the Christ, chrism, Christ, Christ, I is crisis. I am Christ. Um, so this continual crisis is this cycle 
that we go on and we can either choose for it to be a wheel, which is round and around, or we can break out of that and it becomes a figure eight. And that's, that's the full cycle. That's where it becomes perpetual. And that's, that's breaking out of the, the cycle of death and moving into the cycle of life, um, the perpetuity. And nature loves her little surprises because this is, this is what we find when we connect with nature, when we connect with who we truly are. And it's pal right between the eyes because this is the third eye. This is, this is where we connect with God ultimately, who is always guiding us into this spaces of activation to pull away from the illusion. Because wow, it all seems so logical now. <laughs> it's just one of her better disguises, you know, that it's it's hidden. It's it's occulted. It's not it's not plainly obvious. It's not exoteric. You're not gonna find this exoterically. You have to go within. It's esoteric. This is all within us. So this is our our, our Kundalini activation, which is our, our 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 true essence rising within, and all of this is pointing towards this this ascension that we're going on. This is the rising man. We fell and we've fallen far, but we have to rise once again. And that risen rising process is is within. We have to resurrect. You know, we have to come back into this. So yeah, it's amazing to see him write these lyrics in this part of the song in the middle. And that's the middle path, the middle way, which is the Christed path, which is what, what Jesus Christ taught. So it's just, it's all that. This is, this is us. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's very, um, just, I love that, you know, the surprises when I, I relate to the surprises as like nature loves her little surprises. I believe as I pursue truth more and more and more, it just, it just flows and it, and as it flows, the surprising part about it all, it's like, man, it's been here all along. I, I, how come I didn't see this sooner? How come nobody didn't tell me? And especially when I get into things like the biology and of, of like our brain and etymology of, of some of these words. And there's all these surprises that are guaranteed if you good into the right hemisphere and and they they're they just don't stop. They do not stop. No matter what you think you've understood something, well, there's a lot more to understand, and it surprises you. It's like holy cow! I cannot believe. I, I was learning about Simon Magus, the first magician, or maybe one of the first magicians, the sorcerer. And there's so many little surprises that I found along the way. For me, when I was kind of going through his story in the Bible and who he was and what does it mean to be a magus or, or part of the magi, that one little rabbit trail provided me with so many surprises. And they all seemed very logical when I began to understand them and, and, and learn more. And it's just amazing because it's not like it was hard to find. I just had to spend... I don't know, 45 minutes reading. Yeah, well, and you, you had to be ready to read it, too. That's why it is so magical, because it's it's like as soon as we're ready, then we see it. As soon as we're, we're ready to receive the message, then it appears. When we go knocking, the door opens, you know, seek and you shall find. Like, it's, it's all there, but we have to be the ones to take that first uh, sort of 
step in, in engaging in that direction. And then it just is a continual learning process. But as soon as we get into this space where it's like, oh, okay, I, I know everything and I'm good, and I start to close off that, we lose our sense of wonder, then nature, God, closes off to us and we don't learn this anymore. So it's just, it's, it's amazing how it works. You gotta, it's, you gotta work on that mystery, taking it, going wherever it leads. I mean, that's yeah, what, exactly. that's what he's talking about. So let's go to the next song. Uh, that was Tom Petty, by the way. That wasn't Joe Walsh, but we're going to switch from uh, Joe Walsh to the monkeys. And the monkeys, I did not, I, I'm familiar with the monkeys, but I've never really listened to their music. I didn't watch their TV show. Um, but I heard this song and I immediately, was like, holy cow, what, listen to this song. Um, and it's because I'm, my antenna is up on, on Mary symbolism. And this song's called Me and Magdalena by the Monkees. It was written, I don't know when it was written, but it was uh, published in 2016 for the Monkees' 50th anniversary album uh, record. And some other artists did some tributes or wrote some songs for them. And one of the artists that wrote a song for the Monkees that they performed on that album was a man by the name of Ben Gippard. And he performs with a band called The Postal Service and Death Cab for Cutie. So he's somebody that I've, again, it's just, it never stops. Now I need to, I don't need to, but I'm interested in listening to his music but I just need to make time. So this is Me and Magdalena by the Monkees. And I'll talk a little about, let me talk about the Monkees now. So the Monkees, for for what it's worth, they this all gets back to uh, Liverpool. Everything goes back to Liverpool. It's amazing. Because um, if it weren't for the Beatles, we wouldn't have the Monkees. The Beatles had some uh, movies that went out. I think it was Help and, yes, I forget the other movie. But anyway, two movies, and they were huge hits. Obviously, the Beatles were huge hits, and that promoted other uh, producers to consider, like, well, maybe we should have a boy band, and maybe we should make a TV show. And there's this huge audition. Stephen Stills, all these big shots auditioned for the parts of the Monkees, and I think Stephen Stills might have gotten the part, but he turned it down or he referred the other guy, Thor, or Th I forget his name. But um, these guys were huge hits, though. They sold more. They, they were bigger than the Stones and the Beatles. I think it was in 1968 or 67. I mean, just knocked it out of the park. Um, but it was kind of short-lived because apparently, I don't know the whole the story, but it was kind of campy music and they lip synced. They didn't write a lot of their, it wasn't, it was, they, people criticized them for their art. I have a, the impression now that they, they probably got sucked into this thing as kids and then they ended up just having a lot of fun with it. It looked like as time went on, they would use their TV show to kind of poke fun at the illusion. I mean, they've got some scenes Anyway, other people that are into cinema and movies, they can they can look into that. Uh, we're talking about music. Um, but it is interesting um, that they didn't write this song, but they do perform it. It's a beautiful song, and I'm looking forward to hearing it now. 
Okay, and that was Me and Magdalena by the Monkees. That song, by the way, was three minutes and 33 seconds. One thing that we have not spoken about once tonight is numbers. And I promise to everybody listening, we're going to talk about numbers. We're going to talk about numerology. We're also going to talk about number sciences and Pythagoras and a lot of interesting things related to music as it relates to numbers. But this is the pilot episode, and we're not going to talk about it. But I did want to point out, this song is 3 minutes and 33 seconds. That is really, actually not just really, very important. The other thing I didn't point out, the last song was 3 minutes and 30 seconds. So uh, these are things that we'll talk about maybe in future episodes. But Justin, what are your thoughts? You are familiar with Mary's symbolism much more than I am. Do you like this song, Me and Magdalena? Yeah, I loved it. And it, this is another one that I hadn't ever heard before, but it's so Mary Magdalene and Magdalena and Mother M M is all about connecting with with Mother Earth and with our divine feminine, which is we we exist in this in this duality and so there's there's a father and then there's a mother and we are the child. We're children of God, but we have these essences of father and mother within us. And you could argue that society is sort of crafted in, in more of a unhealthy masculine kind of way. And, and that, that's very much dominant, a dominant aspect where it's all about, because left brain is, is masculine. So everything within society is conditioned, conditioning us to be in the left brain. Whereas right brain is the feminine side. This is all about surrendering to that creativity, allowing that essence to flow through us. Um, so this song is all about connecting with the mother, connecting with our feminine essence, which has to be done first. She has to lead us to him, you know, to, 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 so we have to connect with mother earth first and foremost. And that's what this song is all about. And it's, you know, there's so much, so much within the lyrics that we could get into, but those are just some kind of initial thoughts. I don't know if you want to jump into the lyrics. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so this driving south. So at first, it feels like a love song. It's, it's a beautiful song. It feels like they're talking about love, um, but it's a song about the divine feminine or or, or uh, the animus. The so this driving south through Monterey and the sun is slowly sinking, going south. Through Monterey and the sun slowly sinking, you you shared with me that M. Anytime again, they could have chosen any city to drive south through, but this writer chose a city with the letter M to start with it, and that's for reason, right? Yeah, like M M M for mother, and and south going down. Is always indicative to or to grounding. So you're you're going towards Mother Earth. So this is this is 
exactly what we all have to do is we have to connect with the mother, with the physical. God loved us so much that even though we fell from perfection, we, he gifted us with the mother. He gifted us with the mother earth to always care for us. And this is where our physical essence is born from. This is where we come from. So in order to reconnect with ourselves, what better way than to go back into our mother's embrace? And so that's, that's what, that's what the song is about as the sun is slowly sinking and S, it says S-U-N in the lyrics and that's what you're led to believe. But S-O-N is also S-U-N, S-O-N, they're interchangeable. And so this is, we, we are the prodigal son or daughter and we've lost our way. And so we're slowly sinking by grounding and connecting with the mother earth into a distant ocean wave, which is another reference to the mother because mother Mary and, and then in, in Latin or Spanish or Italian, mar, mare is Mary. That's ocean, you know, so, so the, the ocean is also representational of the mother as well into a distant ocean wave. Um, so it's just, it's, it's all about connecting with the divine feminine, all about connecting with mother Mary, mother earth. So the yeah. ocean, the moon, there's certain, uh, I guess symbols that always come back to the feminine, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a duality, so it, there's 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 a yin and a yang to everything. And when we and what we're supposed to do is to find balance between these two seemingly polar opposite forces. They're just aspects of us, but it's all about finding the balance between. So so yes, knowing the feminine characteristics and the symbology that comes up is always helpful and and that's the first thing that we have to do first is is connecting with the feminine side of us because we've gotten so far disconnected from the feminine side of us like i said by living in this overly unhealthy masculine world where we're always in this thinking forcing things to happen and go a certain way we're never trusting we're never surrendering we're never just allowing things to happen we've lost all care and compassion within us. So, so much of our rebalance has to occur within the feminine side of us. And that half as much is as I do in the light. So that half is again, this, this polarity or the, the other yeah, half. It's, right. Reference to duality, um, reference to, to the, the half, half of us, um, one half of our essence, our energy, half as much as I do in this light she's under. So yeah, yeah, it's all about that. I love this, but know everything lost will be recovered when you drift into the arms of the undiscovered. So this is this is the hard part, but it's it's necessary, this surrender. Yeah. We lose our by falling into this physical experience, we lose our 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 direct connection seemingly, I mean, we don't lose it, but we, we forget, we go into the forgetful, the forgetful child. And when we, we forget that we are, you know, cut from, cut from God's cloth and that we have connection to it all. And, but no, everything lost will be recovered. We're going to remember it all. This is all about remembering this, this process and who we truly are. Um, so when we drift into the arms of the undiscovered, when we trust and surrender to that 
and allow this mystery to guide us, allow this sense of wonder to guide us, allow this this, this childlike essence we have within us to, to guide us, then we always come back to it. You know, we, we don't have to force it to happen a certain way. It just naturally happens, but we have to trust it. You can't fake trusting it. You can't fake surrendering to it. it it's got to be wholeheartedly fully. What do you think about this line? Because I didn't. This is the one part I didn't get. Always leaving early and sleeping late, secluded in the canyon, lost within a turn of fate. Always leaving early and sleeping late. I don't. It sounds like let's leave the party early and get home and get in the bed so we can be together, and then we'll just sleep in because we had such a big night together. But it, it's not like that at all. They're not I'm talking about leaving a party early and sleeping late. Yeah, I, I would I would say this is a reference to meditation. You know, leaving early is in like breaking away from from all this is and and sleeping late is in reference to meditation and having that be a, a regular part of it. Because secluded in the canyon is when we're on the valley floor. This is when we're we don't have vision. We don't we can't see from our limited perspective. So uh, lost within a turn of fate, and this is fate would be like the wheel of karma, samsara, which is this this life cycle, this death cycle that we participate in. Um, so if we try and figure it out from that perspective, we don't get any, anywhere. But as soon as we trust and leave early and sleep late, you know, if we if we meditate often and have this connection and trust, then we're going to be guided because you know everything lost will be recovered when you drift into the arms of the undiscovered you know so it's it's just trusting the process and trusting that i don't need to see it all i don't need to see everything or understand why things are happening a certain way i just have to trust trust it is going to happen and here's the way to really really fall into this experience and really really lean into it in a way where i am trusting and it's by going within connecting with the mother grounding in this experience, but letting it, letting it take me where it needs to. And would you say like one of the best ways to begin to kind of maybe explore the feminine, divine feminine, and, and this can, again, this, this facet of us is you've, you've told me like tap into your creativity or go into, you know, silence you know there's there's ways to kind of explore this part of us but no one teaches us one of the things that carl jung he he talks about like this is the importance of of transcendental meditation is is you, you can't get there is where you find her um but if you don't know how to do that or no one's ever taught you what, what's the best way to begin to explore kind of this idea of the divine feminine yeah, nature is the best way. I mean, it's something that we can all relate with and you don't have to do anything and get out of the city, get out of, you know, the, the concrete jungle, get out of where everything is just, you know, constructed by man and has, has these artificial elements to it and go somewhere where it's natural. Go find a stream and just sit there or go, go, go hike up a mountain, you know, or go sit under a tree. Any, any of these aspects and, and then just be, there's no need to like do anything. We're, we're, we're human beings. We're not human doings. So all we have to do is just go be, uh, people get overwhelmed by this idea of meditation as if it's like this confusing thing and you have to do it a certain way. And 
all meditation really is is just present. It's just absolute presence, just being absolutely without focusing on any any which way thoughts can drift in that's okay you know at first it's hard to still the mind like it takes practice in order to do that but being in nature is is hands down my favorite way to do it put your bare feet on the earth as well this is really important to have this this time to ground you know to to really be in contact with it that's another sort of inversion of of society that we live in is we're always wearing these these shoes with these synthetic rubber on them and that completely eliminates any connection to it. We are, we are electromagnetic beings. And, and so the connection with the earth is so important for us to have. And so if you can have time where you are in contact with the ground, you know, bare contact, take your shoes off. If it's cold out, put your, put your hands on a tree. You know, you can get, you can get the same sort of electrical discharge in that kind of way too, because what happens is we're we're building up all this energy within us, all this electrical energy from the thoughts that we take and the the energies that we're receiving, people's emotions, all these different things they build up. And if we don't ground, you know, just like when you're when you're building a house, if you don't have a ground, it's 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 apt to blow. You know, you're apt to blow a fuse. We're the same sort of way, and so we're just in this state of 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 constantly blowing fuses, and we don't even realize it. And the easiest mitigation to that is just to ground and ground often. So, so that's great as well. Um, but all these things nature do nature does provide, and it provides free of charge. You know, there's no cost to it. It's it's available to us at all times. Um, doesn't require any regiment or mantra or anything specific that you have to do. Just go be. And I love to just let all of my observation go to the now moment. So let the let the feel the wind on your skin and hear the hear the leaves blowing and the the water flowing and the birds chirping and um smell the smell the smells of nature and all these different things uh can help just bring you into that that now moment to really get us to appreciate it and connect with her and that's that's what all we have to do well i ask because it's something i know is very important and it's also not hard it's it's simple but it's something that we do have to step into it's simple i mean it is challenging because we 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 come from a we're so conditioned to be in the noise we're conditioned to be always thinking about what i'm going to be doing next i've got to take care of the kids i've got to do all run all these different chores and errands and different things and that and and that's all by design as well the more noise that we're put in the less ability that we have to get out of the noise and just find that peace. So it, the, the best we can do to shut off all devices and just get away and just be in nature for any length of time is good, but the longer, the better. So, but yeah. Well, one of the things I did and I'm just going to, we're just going to, I don't know if I'll do all these clips, but I, I grabbed a few uh, clips from Manly P. Hall's, speech or presentation about Henry David Thoreau's Walden. And Thoreau was a very interesting person, and Manly P. Hall has some great insights on Thoreau, and it gets back to nature. It's always about nature. So I wanted to share just a few of those, and then we'll wrap up. Is that okay, Justin? This uh, speech, it's a good one. It's an hour and a half. We'll probably only listen to not even 10 minutes of it. 
Um, but I would I would recommend it. I would recommend any of his uh, speeches. They're all good. All right, this is uh, this one, and then one more. Until he finds his purpose, his work in life, he can never be a contented creature. We see the young adolescent person struggling to decide upon a career in this diversified society of which we are a part. We are always assuring him that in order to be adjusted, he must find his job, adjust to it, create his home, and settle down and be a good citizen, and then life will be simplified for him. This is higher optimism, but there is within it a certain core of truth. Mankind as a collective will wander with uncertainty until it passes through its adolescence and finds its job. Thoreau believed that only in the perspective of nature can man receive non-dogmatically the instinct or the insight which will enable him to realize what this job is. He knew as well as we know that the more we preach to persons, the more they will resent that you cannot force a job upon anyone without creating his discontent. He must discover. And he must discover by coming into the presence of something bigger than himself. He must also discover by being brought into the awareness of something bigger than the way of life which is obviously not big enough. He cannot discover by being placed in the midst of a man-made world that is falling apart. He must discover by being brought back into the realization that man-made things are but incidents in a God-made plan. He must come nearer to that plan. And Thoreau believed that in nature, and in communion with nature, Man came face to face with bigness, with non-preaching instruction, with the strange and wonderful tolerance of nature. And he found that nature in all her ways is wiser than man. That nature does not divide creeds or sects or races or classes or clans. Nature serves all its creatures and provides each of them with certain instincts and equipments suitable for the best expectancy of their survival. Nature also rewards insight and growth, punishes sloth, and strangely advances the destinies of those things which strive most sincerely to make use of the powers and faculties which they possess. Nature also has indicated to us by bestowing upon us an internal insight, a power to dream, a faculty to hope, a wondrous imagination to be fired with nobility and glory. Nature has given us all these powers. And then one more. 
the last one. This one's shorter. Things are wonderful, and suddenly tragedy strikes and our worlds crumble. This is not the answer, that by accident or incident we seem to be safe for a little while. The real answer lies in the rediscovery of our relationship to nature. And I think in the terms of Thoreau, the realization that our association with nature is for one purpose only, namely the purpose of providing us with the means to transcend the physical aspects of life, to find not in our advancing industries our goal, but that all things, actually and factually, exist for the purpose of making man's inner life beautiful. One thing that I love he says in here, it's it's like, if you live in a city, you can still find her. She's always there. You know, it's just like you were saying earlier. It's Maybe it's just getting some fresh air or it, I don't know. Just something real simple um, can connect you. The music is a beautiful way to connect with nature. Um, there's so many ways to go within, but connecting with the mother and earth is so easy and available. We just have to prioritize it. And he, he hammers it home there in that whole thing. He, he does a good job of, uh, pointing out some of our, uh, our ways that have gone wayward, but, um, Gosh, he's anyways right on the money, and it's consistent again with what Joe Walsh was talking about in his song of um, man. The only way out of here is is to go within, is is to go, yep. go to the mother. Well, Justin, this has been fun for a pilot episode. I think we did okay. I think we, yeah. you know what, we're, we're going to get better. And I'm grateful that you were here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it was a lot of fun to be here. I mean, this is this is cool stuff to get into and. To get to talk about it, and you know, it, it's it's it. There's never enough of it, so I'm 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 really happy. I'm I'm really excited that you asked me to be on the show and get to be a part of it. Well, you you should know I I have a notebook. I have a lot of notebooks, but one of my notebooks I had a some notes about this podcast over six plus months ago, and had a list of names. And you were one of those names of persons I thought, man, it would be something else to have a podcast and have a guest like Justin Carpenter on there. And so anyway, it's just cool to see that list happen. It's It's been manifested. So that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm honored that I was on your list and I'm honored to be here. It's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, man, well, it really is. Well, hopefully maybe I think it'd be neat to have a third kind of a triad and I'm hoping to take this this episode that we've created and kind of shop it around and 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 see if there's other people that might want to uh, join the discussion. Um, so we'll see. I think it'd be neat to have additional insight also. Yeah. Hey, well, again, thanks again. I also want to thank our listeners for this experience. This is our pilot episode. There will be future episodes beginning in spring. We're going to launch season one, episode one of Lasers in the Jungle. Um, 
But as is customary, it's helpful if you uh, like, subscribe, and comment to uh, the podcast. And before we conclude, Justin, I wanted to also mention one last time. It's justincarpenter.org is your website, correct? Yeah, that's it. That's where you can find me. I would encourage everyone to go check out Justin's website. It's got a lot of great content. And Justin, you are a great person. Thank you for being here. And I'm looking forward to talking to you on Friday. Yeah, thanks, brother. I'm glad to be here and really appreciate all that you're doing. All right, cool. Well, we're out. Oh, wait. Before you leave, may I share some encouragement? Would you consider repeating after me? Just a few simple words to share within yourself. The kingdom of God and heaven are within you. Above all else, seek first your divine essence. If you believe this to be true in your heart, say as I say. God is love and God is all. Therefore all is love. And all is good. I am free from all agitation and discordant energy. I am faithful and have hope in the limitless unseen. My consciousness is growing and increasing daily. Your ears and mind are still here. Your journey awaits. This is your first test. This podcast is brought to you by T2G Foundation. As the producer for Lasers in the Jungle, T2G has requested that all initiates of the Jaguar Order refrain from ever repeating or parroting a precept that they were introduced to while listening to Lasers in the Jungle. Instead, the initiate is asked to accept the impression and the time interval required for the impression to develop. Thessalonians 5.21 Test everything. Hold fast what is good. Go read, go study, go meditate, and go strengthen your inner standing. 
Anyone who ever speaks of lasers in the jungle is outside of the Jaguar order and should be considered uninitiated. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.